you. This is a quality of life issue. Hope in the face of uncertainty. Which side of history will you be on? Hi everyone, welcome back to Brace for Impact. This is Catherine. And Lathe. Wait, you're not Catherine. No, this is guest host Ryan Wallace. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan, for being with us this week. If you guys remember, Ryan Wallace was on our first episode about Biden's climate policy. Unfortunately, Catherine is not with us. However, she is certainly missed, and she really wishes she could be, but will certainly join us next week for the episode of Brace for Impact. Yeah, we'll miss you, Catherine, but I'm happy to be back. Absolutely. So Catherine and I both want to thank you all so much for tuning in last week for our conversation with Randall about sustainable fashion. This week, we are switching it up a bit and talking about capitalism, specifically alternative ways of what it could look like. Joining us this week for this conversation, we have Josh Sisman. Josh is on the Central Committee of YDSA, Young Democratic Socialists of America, and is a Special Projects Coordinator at the Global Center for Climate Justice. And we are very happy to have him this week with us. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Awesome, thank you. So this week, like we said, we're going to be talking about capitalism and alternative ways of what it could look like. Yep, and while the structured system of capitalism is nothing near a groundbreaking development, with every year that passes, uh, say since the early 1900s, uh, around the end of the second industrial revolution, it has garnered more and more criticism. So Josh, if we can start off by hearing from you and what capitalism is supposed to be from your perspective or just a general standpoint? Yeah, sure. So it's actually a very, very complex uh, issue, but there, you know, there are many different kinds of capitalism, just like you could say there are many different kinds of socialism and just multiple economic systems. But whether it's state capitalism or laissez-faire, just like free market uh, capitalism, the one thing that you can boil capitalism down to is the pursuit of growth and profit. Um, so generally speaking, that's just what capitalism is. Great. So yeah. there's a lot of variations of capitalism you mentioned. Um, you can bring it back to one thing, which is growth. Um, in terms of the United States, because I'm going to assume most people listening live in the United States, mm-hmm. we're wondering what that system of capitalism is supposed to be, or what has it become? Well, in the United States, we have a system that is supposed to be a system where you know everyone who puts in their hard effort gets like the realization of the American dream. You the know, American they get dream per se. Yes, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know they. They get a nice house with their family, their nice nuclear family. They have comfortable jobs and pension, and whatever you put in, you'll get back. But that's not what happens in reality. What we have in American capitalism is what I would say is a form of neoliberal capitalism. And pretty much what that means is a government focus on managing the economy, making sure that United States uh, corporations and their profits are protected, um, ensuring austerity, which pretty much means that um, budgets are reduced in terms of public social programs. And when it comes to the privatization of things like our post office, most recently is an example of it, a neoliberal government tends to try to make any government service that is uh, public but could potentially, theoretically, be handled by a private corporation. They push towards that. Mm. Yeah. I hope I answered your question well. No, you definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Um, you definitely did. Thank you for explaining some of the things, just like neoliberalism yeah. and whatnot. What have you seen as the most significant failures within, I guess, not just recent history, but over the last century or so uh, with American capitalism? Like, what major events strike out to you as big failures of capitalism? Well, there are things that happen every single day on a year-to-year basis, but 
Um, in terms of big events, we could talk about you know the 2008 uh, financial collapse that happened because there was just a deregulated financial market because Glass-Steagall was repealed so banks could pretty much loan at ridiculously low rates to anyone who wanted. And that pretty much created this housing bubble where many, many people who um, were looking for housing or just like worked in the economy were put out of work. The coronavirus is an extremely good example of a failure of capitalism. In a government where it would have been smart to have state-controlled um, testing and state-controlled vaccine development, mm -hmm. where everything is functioning through the state, yeah. um, would have vastly probably increased... I, I'm not going to say that the vaccine wasn't produced fast. It was produced very fast, an unprecedented uh, historical rate. Yeah. But the vaccine is being rolled out very slowly, but the U.S. government has the ability to force uh, manufacturers to create the vaccine and make it publicly available um, either for free through subsidations or at a nonprofit price, mm. but that's not what mm. that's not what's happening. We could end the pandemic in a matter of weeks, but instead, that's just not what we have. So, Josh, you mentioned the housing crisis as being kind of an example of an element of capitalism. I was wondering, like, the people most affected by that were big banks and different, you know, investment firms on Wall Street, right? Well, everyone was actually affected by it. Who was most affected by it then? Well. Some people were affected very negatively. Some people were affected very positively. You can make the argument that like Merrill Lynch was kind of um, thrown on the back burner. I don't even know if that's the right term, but they were on the verge of bankruptcy. But at the end of the day, Wall Street ended up getting something close to $2 trillion in terms of taxpayer money for a bailout. So they ended up on the bright side of things, whereas homelessness in America spiked I, I ended up homeless for two years because of uh, the housing crisis, and it was even worse because my, my dad works in real estate, okay. and so it's like a compounded issue. So you have hundreds of thousands of people who are moved onto the street. Many people are losing their jobs because uh, they're losing their jobs because of the financial crisis. These people um, are losing their health care because health care is tied to employment, and you know, in terms of housing. I would say just on, on the point of housing, like it, it really exasperated the fact that you know we have like 500,000 people who are homeless in the United States. And people like to go on about the fact that it would cost $52 billion to end homelessness in America. I don't think that entirely captures the picture because there are 1.7 million homes in America that are vacant where no one lives in them. And yeah. they just kind of exist as tax, uh, mini tax havens within the country for property owners. Those are all places that could be filled with homeless Americans. But instead, because people are seeking to profit off those properties and rely on supply and demand to fill those vacancies, you have these people who are going to stay on the street regardless. Mm -hmm. So Josh, just to touch base on what you were saying before with regards to the day-to-day -day impact on individuals, uh, there's a notion out there that people view capitalism more negatively uh, in these crises, uh, like the housing crisis and like the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but not as much uh, during everyday life or quote-unquote stable times. Uh, can you talk about why that may be and if capitalism is still having that impact during quote everyday life rather than just during these major crises? Yeah, I mean, if you're an indigenous uh, person in America, 
your your land has been taken away by the government, and everything that you do is dictated by the U.S. government. Um, we see with like the DAPL or DAPL pipeline protests that have been going on for the last many many years at this point, how the U.S. government can like enter into a treaty with uh, indigenous peoples and then completely ignore it whenever they want to. Um, in terms of uh, other things, just like thinking about how you're going to have food on the table versus like if I'm going to be able to afford insulin. This is a very big example that got brought up very frequently during the Democratic primaries. Uh, a lot of people have to consider whether or not they are going to have enough food to pay or enough money to pay rent, enough money to uh, buy food, or enough money to have insulin. And because uh, corporations are able to set monopolistic prices over medicine, people oftentimes either have to ration their medicine, which will result in them dying, or people will have to not take their medicine at all, which will result in them dying. 60,000 people, according to uh, a study, I believe from out of Yale, it, it found that 60,000 people die every year because of a lack of access to health insurance which that in itself is just like a stunning thing to know about. Yeah. There's also the fact that like the only way you're going to be able to afford to pay rent mm -hmm. is if you're working 40 hours a week. Um, but sometimes you need to take a, a break from work just for your own mental stability. Or for families, you, yeah. for whatnot, yeah. That yeah. Um, and you just can't afford to do those sort of things because when you have a lack of union power, when like the workers cannot stand up to their bosses and like say, hey, we have these demands, like you should let us have like paid sick leave or paid family leave or just a guaranteed amount of vacation days. Mm -hmm. um, people have to choose between tending to their families or um, like just being a, a wage slave. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's like really important to know that like capitalism gets into people's lives like in very 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 crazy ways like there was a there was a book that was written this is kind of like i'm not sure how serious it was but they yeah. did bring up a lot of like actual research talking about how even like our sex lives are affected because of capitalism because when you work in a society that demands the most productive human mm -hmm. it drains you mm, and, yeah. and it, it makes you just unable to enjoy life. I mean, that's interesting that to put yeah. into perspective of like, how to get people engaged in capitalism, your yeah. sex life will yeah. suffer. <laughs> that's yeah. really, that's yes. interesting. Yeah. Someone wrote a very successful book about it. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like you do see all those stats from like, um, some of those more quote unquote, you know, closer to socialist countries, like in the, um, in the areas of Europe, like, like Sweden, countries, yeah, yeah, Nordic countries, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Like you see their happiness rates and their enjoyment rates. Do you view that as uh, a result of using less capitalistic practices? Yeah. yeah, people have more freedom. Uh, the best thing about being human is your ability to just be creative or your ability to react, uh, to relax. Mm. Um, I mean, one, one thing that I think like people have a misconception of about socialism is that under a socialist society, you will be entirely happy all the time. Yeah. The way I view it is that you shouldn't always be happy because it's not natural to always be happy. I think in a social society, you're content and you're satisfied okay. with your life. Um, whereas in a capitalist society, you can't afford to not be um, working all the time. And working is always going to stress you out. It's always going to make you feel like you're not fulfilling who you want to be. Mm -hmm. You said freedom in describing the 
uh, I guess, economic you know, infrastructure or political setup of the Nordic countries. Mm. Um, some would say what is, I think, around 60% um, income tax and whatnot, not as freedom. Can you kind of explain that? I think under capitalism, you know, it's pushed as open market. Everyone has the opportunity to, you know, achieve what they want. And then you just said real freedom, yeah. or not real freedom, but those places are more free with these lack of capitalist, you know, practices. Oh, I, I was, I guess I was speaking more freedom from work, but mm. there, there's a misconception that capitalism is when the government does things. Mm-hmm. When I was, when we started off this uh, podcast, uh, well, one of the things that was mentioned is there's different kinds of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that we have some some surface level form of state capitalism, or which pretty much means that the state like um, manages a free market, which is what I understand the United States to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like the police force exists as a protector of capital. Um, that's why you see at mass protests like Occupy, or just like the Black Lives Matter protests that reached their peak. Uh, during um, like the months of May, June, July, yeah. there are a lot of police there. But when capital isn't being threatened, the police presence is almost always so minimal compared to it. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, the government can do things with taxpayer money to protect their free market. Mm-hmm. So anything that's government funded through taxes doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, the, anything that's uh, funded through taxpayer money doesn't necessarily mean that it's socialism. Yeah. Socialism is anything that, with or without, this is a huge simplification, but anything that is with or without um, taxpayer money is towards the freedom and liberation of people. And I, I know that's like a really broad yeah. thing to say, but like the end goal is that there are no taxes. There is like if you really, really, really want to go far into like the like end end stage of socialism, where you just have like a fully classless moneyless society. Mm-hmm. There's no government. There's mm-hmm. no there's no taxes. There's no social welfare programs. There's just communities that support each other. Mm-hmm. So socialism mm-hmm. is like not when just when the government do, does things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can have freedom without taxes, and taxes does not equal socialism. So we've heard you mention socialism a couple times. Um, in the conversation, especially today, we hear about capitalism, we hear about socialism. Do you think socialism is a better alternative to capitalism? Yeah, I mean, every second of the day, it's a better alternative to capitalism. Uh, why would you want to exist in a system where you can still have creativity and innovation, yet workers are being uh, exploited? You know, in a capitalist system, you work $12 an hour, at Chipotle or Qdoba wrapping burritos, right? But you're producing over $400 worth of burritos and uh, burrito bowls and quesadillas. And so when you split it amongst your workers, you should probably be getting a $60 per hour wage if you're to cut out profit and if you're to cut out like hugely insane uh, corporate executive wages. And you'd be earning $80,000, $90,000 a year based Mm -hmm. off a $60 wage instead of a starvation wage where you can't even afford to live within one hour of where you work. Yeah. Um, like a restructuring of the way our society works would benefit every single person. And people say, well, how about all these people who earned their wealth? You know, like these corporate executives who worked their way up their corporate ladder. Most of these people did not earn their wealth. They come from generational wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why should there be 1% of people who earned their way, quote unquote, 
to earning such huge salaries at the expense of all these people who are struggling every single day. Mm. So you're saying that socialism, it's also, it's often, I mean, the bad press about it is that it's going to take away money from the top. It's going to put them at a worse place. Yeah, but why is that a bad thing? That's my question. Interesting. Yeah. I was, I was more interested in the point that everyone will benefit under socialism. That's yeah. the point you said, right? Yeah. The only people that won't benefit are the people who have exploited the average worker and are now worth billions of dollars. And they have enough funds to still sit comfortably yeah. where they are with yeah. socialism. Yeah. I mean, in a socialist society, everyone will ultimately be comfortable under mm. full realization mm. right. of a socialist society. Um, and before I get into my next question, I just yeah. want to build off of that. like. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the middle class, because I know socialism obviously like is targeting lower income individuals yeah. a lot, but in terms of like personal autonomy, a lot of times middle class, maybe upper middle class individuals like to think that capitalism, you know, they might have some financial struggles, but they get by mm -hmm. and they're able to, you know, you know, I know it's a, you know, it's a far reaching claim that people make when critiquing socialism, but they're yeah. like, oh, like we're not going to be able to, you know, have as much, you know family-oriented things, go on mm -hmm. vacations and things like that just because of our fiscal freedom. Yeah. Um, so how do you think you know, socialism would incorporate you know, a thriving middle class since you say that all individuals would be benefiting? There would be no middle class. Everyone. Can you elaborate that? Everyone would be middle yeah. class. I yeah, so elaborate on that. So um, it's not necessarily hmm. taking away from middle class. It's empowering a lower economic class yeah. to all be what would be considered middle class. Yeah, yeah, it's bringing everyone to an equal point. Taking mm -hmm. a necessary yeah. sacrifice for yeah. some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the sacrifices for the most wealthy right. people are absolutely worth it. They right. should have never gotten to that point of wealth to begin with, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it doesn't stop people from going on vacations and stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, right. It's important to remember we're getting rid of the profit motive. We're not getting mm -hmm. rid of Depending on your interpretation, because there are many, just like I said, there are many kinds of capitalism, mm -hmm. there are many kinds of socialism. I personally subscribe to like uh, libertarian socialism, which mm -hmm. in itself sounds like an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not to say that there are not markets uh, under a socialist society. Like, you can still have markets. It's just worker control over those markets, and you take out the profit from that. And I mean, you, you wouldn't say that. Like, I, I'm not going to, like, defend the USSR as some, like, amazing society. I don't think it was. <laughs> you sure? You can publicly do it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think Joseph Stalin was an amazing person. <laughs> well, that's going to be, that's that's gonna be ex used. Explicitly say that's you don't there. believe that's Joseph Stalin. I don't know. For your, for your future, for your future, <laughs> for future job prospects. Uh, Just denounce <laughs> Joseph Stalin for us. Joseph Stalin? Yeah. You want me to announce Joseph Stalin? Denounce. Oh, denounce. Unless you, unless you support <laughs> Oh, yes. Staying in. I denounced Joseph Stalin. That was a joke okay. for anyone. That's important. That's yeah. important clarification. Any, any, anyone who was listening. But Good. point is, yeah. yes. they had their problems. Didn't mm -hmm. stop people from going on vacation. The, you, right. you can just look at it. Like People still went on vacation all the time. Yeah. And I guess we could connect this to many things. That there are misconceptions that like things that happen in, happen in capitalism won't happen in socialism. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not changing cultures, per se, under socialism. You're changing organizations of systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so just to build off of that, um, you're talking a lot about, you know, taking this profit out. You know, I guess my question would be, in terms of, you know, reimagining capitalism into a socialist society, mm -hmm. uh, what happens to the motive of hard work and 
how do people structure their goals per se? Mm-hmm. When a lot of people in a capitalistic society, you know, I've heard a lot of my friends say it, oh, we just want to get the highest paying jobs and things yeah. like that. But what is going to be your long-term goals? I know you talked a little bit about creativity and human relationships yeah. before and happiness, but how should we think about structuring our goals within a socialist society if there was one? Well, one thing I would say, um, just to start with, is that socialists generally believe that people are intrinsically motivated. They want to do things because they want to do them. Um, But there are people who are driven by trying to get the best career. Mm. And so because we, at least I personally and many people who uh, believe in in a socialist transition, the, the key word there is transition. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. You have to change the values of what motivates these people over time. I think a lot of people seek out the best career and the best comfort because they know that if they don't under a capitalist system, then they will be suffering. Mm. But if they know that no matter what they seek out as their career, no matter what they want to do, then they don't have that worry of suffering then they're not going to be thinking, what's going to make me the most money? Mm-hmm. They're going to be thinking, what am I going to enjoy the most? Or what do I think will help my community the most? So I think the desire to find the best paying career and to make the most money is born out of living in a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. So interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah. As you transition to a socialist society, people will have more freedom to not be thinking about what makes me the most money. People have the freedom to be thinking, I want to do what I want to do, mm-hmm. and no one's going to stop me, unless it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> you mean there's police under socialism? No. <laughs> oh, there isn't. Oh, okay. I mean, we, we don't have to get into that. Laws, <laughs> though, abolition, of course. Abolition is a completely other issue, and I'm not qualified to talk about abolition <laughs> fair, at all. Fair. I don't think we want to touch on that right now. No, that's <laughs> yeah. a very touchy subject. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. One that should not not be engaged in, but one we will not engage in. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, you I had a question? Sure, yeah. One more question here. Um, on my part, at least. Lace can go on after. Um, but again, just um, to tie it into an environmental lens, per se. You know, here, yes. net impact, net brace impact. for impact. We like to talk group. about yes. uh, sustainability and things yeah. like that. Um, so climate change, obviously one of the pressing issues of our time. Not just a long-term threat, you know, something we have to act on now. Yes. Um, a lot of people in a capitalist society uh, claim that you know tech corporations, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're growing within society as technology advances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have the capability uh, to advance sustainable measures to combat climate change, yeah. uh, such as the automobile industry making electric vehicles and things like that. And so, this is kind of the concept of innovation mm-hmm. uh, and. A lot of people say, oh, in socialism, you know, you're going to lose out on this innovation and specifically, potentially, um, you know, this sustainable technology. Hmm. Uh, so how do you, how, how would you describe innovation in a socialist society? And would you say, you know, there's more effective ways uh, to combat climate change uh, through sustainable technology hmm. than through these, this corporate aspect? I just need to emphasize before I answer. Yeah. I'm not a Stalinist. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you bring up Stalin again. I'm bringing up the USSR. <laughs> okay. Bringing up the USSR. And this was like way after him anyways. Yeah. Um the space race. Mm-hmm. On every single metric of the space race, mm. the Soviet Union beat us. They were the, the first to get people into space. They were the first to get to space. 
they were first to get, um, you know, in, in a space station mm -hmm. there. The only thing in the space race that the U.S. beat them to was someone on the moon. And that's because the U.S., after losing so many times, had to move the goalpost yeah. to say that they won the space race. They were able to innovate, at least in the field of space exploration, you know, rocket science. Uh, Which is not an easy field to innovate in, by right. any means. Not an easy yeah. field to innovate. And so what do you think about the, with regards to climate change? So, yeah, the reason I bring that up is because they were able to out-innovate us mm -hmm. without a profit motive. We can do the same thing. Like I said, people do things because they want to do them and because they need to. People will innovate and they will create. Like, we're not going to just tell people. Like, there are people who are genuinely interested and driven by a fear of climate change. Mm -hmm. Those people will be working on things like carbon capture. They'll be working on technologies like uh, electric-powered vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, if people are driven by a fear of climate change, they will be intrinsically motivated to work in those fields. Yeah. So innovation is still going to happen regardless. So, like. Some of the best artists come out of the Soviet Union. A lot of artists, um, some of the best writers uh, were socialists. Like a lot of people have probably read like Animal Farm in 1984. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And George Orwell, he was a democratic socialist. He um, fought in Spain against fascist forces. Um, mm. Like people do things because like this is what I like. This is what I said earlier. Um, it just ties back into it. People are doing things because they think they should do it, not because they want to make money. It still happens. Um, and that's what will drive innovation. Yeah. Just yeah. people's innate urge and like curiosity to yeah. get to space. Or to humans, humans intrinsically want to innovate. Yeah. It's almost will. like doing things for the collective good rather than the individual. Yeah. And that's the idea. And I guess this is just more of a logistical side of your answer, mm -hmm. of an answer to your question. Um, um, if you have a government in your form of socialism and in your interpretation of it, um, there's probably going to be some level of central planning, be mm -hmm. that from a board of people or through a democratically chosen um, thing. So, like, if people um, vote to have like a lot of their resources pooled towards sustainable technologies, mm -hmm. then resources will be put into that, and people will be put to work in creating sustainable uh, climate, like pro-climate technologies. So there is like an organizational aspect to it where people get to vote on what they think should be the primary task of a society. And if the most pressing issue of the time is climate change, which I believe it is as well, mm -hmm. then people will likely choose to work towards that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas I think there would actually be more resistance in a capitalist society mm -hmm. to creating that because the people who hold the most political power and hold the direction of where technology goes mm -hmm. are the people who are most likely to be negatively impacted by um, like sustainable technologies. Yeah. You have oil corporations, uh, gas corporations, um, who are heavily filling the pockets of politicians, lawmakers, mm -hmm. and the way you know the U.S. currently works is like a lot of innovation in the tech industry will come out of subsidies. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest reasons why Tesla became successful was not out of the the capitalist structure of Tesla as a, a corporation. It was actually because the government was supporting them through massive subsidies. Mm -hmm. um, but if the politicians who 
are employed uh, practically by fossil fuel interests yeah. are the ones who get to like set those regulations and choose where subsidies go, then in all likelihood we will see a transition to sustainable um, technologies and sustainable energy production that is way too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the profit of fossil fuel companies is a direct resistance to creating uh, sustainable technologies in the U.S. Which is deeply embedded in capitalism. Deeply embedded in capitalism. Because yeah. they're protecting their profit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you mentioned points of socialism being able to drive innovation. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned probably being the most feasible way to combat climate change. You talk about socialism allowing people to pursue interests, not different wage, you know, yeah. different wages on paper. So it sounds like it's a pretty good system. You mentioned it's a transitioning system. However, however much support our Democratic Socialist Party gets or continues to get, that won't transition over the next year, two years, who knows. So under the capitalist system we live in right now, what advice do you have for people? Organize. I mean, the, the most important, the, there's a difference between activism and organizing. Activism is sort of where you kind of go to a protest here and there and you say that's enough or you post those like so you want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, Instagram posts. I'm like, well, they're nice and they're educational. Yeah. They're not actually making real change. What you have to do is just talk to ordinary people. You have to make sure that these people understand why it's in their benefit to collectively work towards a better future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the most direct way you can do that is especially in the workplace. Yeah. Um, especially in the workplace, is by you band together, you get people to go together, mm-hmm. and as once you're able to form a union in your workplace, you have a lot more say and power over what direction your own company that you work at will go. Mm. So a lot of companies have a lot of investments in fossil fuel I- industries, yeah. and a lot of companies um, prefer to use like the most cheap, um, like, wasteful methods of packaging, for example, Mm -hmm. right? But you have the power um, collectively to demand change in your workplace. Um, And we can see like how effective and important that is on the basis that big corporations try so heavily to stop unionization. Mm -hmm. There there are instances where Amazon has just like straight closed, uh, closed warehouses because people were threatening to organize their workplace. So you have to be strategic about it, because if you're too open about it, then you risk the the chance of everyone pretty much losing their jobs, because the United States has really bad uh, worker uh, unionization protections. Mm -hmm. But when you're just on the ground, consistently actually working towards um, building the collective power of the working class of this country, Mm -hmm. then the working class will have a much greater say in our future yeah incredible thank you thank, thank you so much for coming on josh we've really appreciated all yeah, of your, absolutely. Input, your advice your perspective um and i think everyone will too whether they you know fully agree or not it's definitely yeah. you know something to learn i was absolutely. trying to give some good insight you know yeah, yeah. good insight different yeah. perspective i think we could all learn a lot from this podcast absolutely. we appreciate you coming on again yeah, yeah thanks josh really nice so again, as always, shout out to Greg Gold for our video editing and also Brandon Fogarty for our design and different graphics. Really appreciate you guys. Josh, Ryan, thank you yeah, for coming on. Of course, of course. Happy to be here. Hope to see you guys next week. Awesome.